now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. Yeah. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one died. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Unmistakable performance enhancing audio in your ear holes. Big show this week, UFC 243 on the horizon, a middleweight duel for the ages, all oceanic, all the time between Whitaker and Adesanya. We'll get you fired for that. For that, look back at UFC Copenhagen, talk all things Bellator after a wild selection show as the featherweights heat up, latest news, and then some. Let me bring in my co-hosts. And, of course, we have a Hall of Famer sitting in with us. We also may have a future fighter on our side here with UFC Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans. Last week we talked comeback. This week, what are we talking, Rashad? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm feeling different this week. I'm feeling different this week, BC. You're feeling 40. You feel he's a man. Come after him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling 40. I'm just like, you know what? Oh, that coming back is I was, I was a 39-year-old talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> last, few, last few hours of being a 39-year-old, 30-year-old, you know? Did we have a good uh, birthday celebration last week? What'd you do there down in FTL? Uh, not much, man. I just, I just kind of just kept it uh, kept it quiet, you know, uh, very contemplative 40th birthday. Wow, sounds serious here. What people don't know <laughs> is that before we hit the record button, you were uh, you were giving us the sultry, dulcet tones of... Uh, of uh, Luther Evans here. You were you were you were you were taking it down it's soft. I mean, this is what the ladies here. A little pillow talk action. I love well, it. Do a little bit. Uh, you know, I try not to sing too much, BC. I try not to sing a little too much, you know. All just right, all right. Uh, hey, face the pain. Brandon Wise back. CBS Sports editor, writer. Uh took the week off last week. How you doing, bro? I'm good, BC. Feeling a little bit younger than you guys, but you know, <laughs> it's it's okay. It's okay. I know that you've been you're in travel hell again, so yeah, yeah. You know, I'm fine. I'm fine though. I mean, L.A. is the best city in the world. Everyone knows that. Uh, you're gonna get older quick though if you keep sparring at Hard Knocks three six five with those killers they got in there. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I did not feel very great on Saturday afternoon after I went into sparring. Rashad, what hurts the most? Is it a shin? Like for for the layman, like me, I, I might be, even be a lame man. Um, what thing would hurt me the most? Where I'd be like, hell no! Is it is it like a shin yeah, kick? What is it? Leg, leg kicks, the leg kicks, because you feel those for like the next few days. You know, you're gonna feel those probably for like a week if you never sparred before. So every single time you get up from your couch or do anything, you're like, oh, why did I spar? Why did I spar? That was me. That was me on Sunday. That was me on Sunday. My hamstring and quad were just on fire. Felt like a deep thigh bruise. I was just like, "Yeah, no thanks." Bye, that's far. This is a bad. This was a bad choice. Now, Rashad, during a fight, when that happens, does the adrenaline take over, or do you actually now now that we're removed? Well, maybe removed. More on that to come. Are you able to admit that there's been times you've been kicked in the leg during a fight, and you're thinking, 
I might just walk away like this. I might just just like wave that. it off right now. Yeah, when, when I was fighting Forrest, you know, he kicked my legs so much, and it was just like I thought that I could take the leg kicks, but then all of a sudden something weird happens. Your leg just goes numb. And you're just like, do, do I even have a leg to stand on anymore? And then that's when the panic sets in. Like, you know what? I can't take too many more of those. I need to take this guy down or close the distance. All right. That's well, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, you can't tap out. BJ Penn once told us only a bitch taps out on strikes. And then he didn't come out of his corner against GSP a couple months later. And that's fine. Look, it happens, man. All right. Now he's off the UFC roster. So finally they came to their senses there. Shout out to the Hall of Famer. Uh, Brandon. What do you got, bro? You got anything for me? I mean, there's a wild weekend in MMA. I'm fired up to break it all down here. I, I want to have my own selection show. Bellator giving me what I want here. Uh, uh, you got anything? You got anything you want to share with me? No, let's get straight to the news. You want? You got part two of your confessions? You want to put anything on the line here? Tell the people the truth about you? All right. we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not ushering this uh, all right. podcast. Do you know that your colleague, uh, Adam Silverstein, on the State of Combat Pro Wrestling Show last week pronounced it Usher? You sure? Yes. Just want to put that out in the ethos. He, he must have never heard one song. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, yeah. The man is woke. All right. Uh, <laughs> hey, get fired up. Boogie Woman is coming. Boogie Woman is coming. I'm fired up for that in Tampa coming up. Some big fights ahead. Nothing bigger than this weekend. 243. We're going to get all into that. We're going to break down what was a breakthrough performance in UFC Copenhagen, and we're going to do all that. Right after we hear from word from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. This is Sandra Oreda from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golasso Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAFW Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winter transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more. Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. And we're back. BCB Dubs, the Hall of Famer, Rashad Evans in the house. Let's talk about whooping that ass. I whooped that ass. You did, Rampage. But it was this weekend in Copenhagen, guys, UFC Fight Night, where we had a big-time breakthrough from Jared Cannonier, your middleweight title contender, possibly. Three straight wins. Finishes off quasi-hometown boy Jack Hermanson, who was looking to extend his win streak to five, looking to really get on that title radar picture, as we, are, of course, are just days away from the unification bout of Adesanya and Whitaker. But Rashad... This guy, Cannoneer, former heavyweight, former light heavyweight, former airport security guard, as we're coming, <laughs> as we're finding out on this backstory in Alaska. Um, 
he's a little bit late to the game. How for real is he, though, after this performance? Uh, he's super for real. You know, you can see that by the look in his eyes. You know, after he finishes golf, he just looked super crazy, like like one of those 70 guys out of the black exploitation movement. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's got that kind of look to him. And he and he looked and he looked like like a shaft or something Shut like that. Shut your mouth. You know? Just talking about Cannonier, all right? Cannonier, he's got that look to him, and this um, you know, he's fighting from a place that that uh, you know, it, it, you rarely see. You know, just that that pure aggression, and it's like an unquenched aggression. You know, no matter how many guys he finished, he just can never seem to satisfy that thirst for more action. And that's a and that's a great thing to look at. You know, when you see a competitor like that who just you know, is that ferocious on a physical standpoint? And when he goes out there and he fights like that, that's an amazing thing. You know, it's an intimidating thing. And if you're in the top of that weight class, you're definitely paying attention to a guy like Cannoneer. Like, yo, this guy fights hard and he fights violent. And he didn't have this reputation just a short season ago. But this move to middleweight really has opened him up. And it's opened up these other guys at 185 to seemingly heavyweight power. I mean... This guy can slug. This guy can bang. I just love his how quick his involvement has been. The David Branch win was great. The weird ending against Anderson Silva, but it's a big advancement for him. But now he's beating legitimate title contenders. Brandon, can you get critical, though? Was this more about what Jared did? He, got, I, he, he called Jared, right? <laughs> he went to Jared in the end. Or was it more about Jack Hermanson proving he's not the real in what was a potentially huge step-up opportunity? Um, I think it can be both in this situation. Like we didn't really think of Jared Cannonier as a possible like top five middleweight before this fight, just because of the level of competition, like you just mentioned before. But Hermanson had been taking out top guys after top guy. And this was one of those kind of like Alexander Gustafson type chances for him where he's fighting on home turf in front of a lot of fans that hadn't been able to watch him live on the big stage like that. And it's kind of like one of those he just he didn't live up to his own expectations. He he got caught, you know, and I think that the power from Cannoneer does translate so much better at middleweight than it did before. But I think this is also you caught somebody very well who wasn't expecting that shot and he went in for the kill and finished. I think Hermanson will be back. I think Cannoneer's also it. I mean, I just think this is that new wave of middleweight coming in, man, like. There needed to be some replenishment at the in the weight class, and mm. now we're starting to see it come through with these new guys. Yeah, what impressed me the most about Cannonier in that fight was the fact that you know Hermanson is is one of those middleweights that you know he's massive, and to be able to get through that massive amount of a man and and to be able to still you know impart your game is huge for a guy like that who's who's you know in a weight class where. You know, the top guys in the weight class, you know, uh, um, Israel is one of those tall guys with a lot of size. So you get to see a sneak peek of how Cannoneer will be able to handle somebody with that kind of size, with that kind of reach. Now, at the end of the day, they are totally different fighters that, because Israel is just a puzzle in himself with just his movement and his creativity. But I just say, you know, the size comparison. Do we feel like we've. We've seen Cannonier hit a ceiling. Do we feel like we're watching a guy that's just getting better with each fight? Um, no, I, I think I think like you can tell by the look in his eyes. You know, when 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 he has that look in his eyes. Remember, I was saying, you know, he just he seems to be unquenched. Like he just can't get enough. That's a guy who's going out there 
ending these fights fast and he's back in the gym. You know what I'm saying? He's not taking these damages where where he has to, you know, take some time to let his body recover. He's, you know, he's like, okay, I, I'm getting a lot of positive reinforcements for what I'm doing in the gym. And now I'm coming back in the gym with, with relatively no injuries so I can still pick up right where we left off. So you see his growth can be very exponential at that point. Indeed. That was a big breakthrough opportunity. He comes through big. And now, like I mentioned, you're talking possible title challenger. When you look at this middleweight rankings to what you said, Brandon, is is we are resetting. We've got guys like Jacare, Weidman moving up, some other guys falling out. Where do you sort of, if we're going to assume Paulo Costa with a big win over Romero is rightfully next in line for a title shot, where would Cannoneer go next? Where would you try to find out how for real, for real he is? Are you throwing him Romero? Are you throwing him Gastelum? Because he is now working into that top six, seven territory where it gets serious from here on out. So Gastelum's both already against Till. And Romero, I think, needs a fight. So or Brunson's I, coming off a win, though, too. Let's be, that was a big coming off a win. I think I don't think you can go wrong with anybody. I I, I, th- I think uh, you know that'll be interesting because Brunson is is expressed wanting to get back into the mix, and he's you know his last couple performances has gotten his confidence you know right back where you know he needs to be able to compete at the upper echelon of this weight class. So it'd be an interesting thing to see him. And uh, Cannoneer collide, you know, at that point to see who wants it more. But I think that Cannoneer's at a level where he should be fighting one of those guys who's, you know, been been at that position for a while. And it'd be good to see him fight someone like a Yoel Romero. You know, Yoel, uh, you know, he he went back to training after his last fight, um, was very inspired, you know. So I, I it would be good to uh, see him fight somebody like Cannoneer because, you know, it would be a big test for him, and it would be a fight that he would definitely be get up for. Indeed, indeed, that fight would be violence. Wow, that fight would be fantastic. Uh, guys, also on this card in the co-main event, what a coming out party for the Danish Olympian Mark O'Madsen, the 35-year-old lightweight wrestler, making his much-hyped UFC debut, getting the home fans to go nuts for him, putting away... Danilio Bilardo, uh just over a minute in round one with some sick round and pound. I mean, look, he's in the deepest division possible. He's got to do things quick because he's 35. But when you got that insanely great Olympic wrestling pedigree, and did you see that ground and pound and the physical size and strength? I mean, look, there's levels to this, and one level is making a debut against a guy of this of this skill level as an opponent and another level is moving up into the top 10 of the most historically deep division in UFC history. But he sort of screamed a high ceiling of potential here. I didn't know a lot of guy, about this guy coming in behind the wrestling pedigree with his name. How impressed were you Rashad at this type of opening statement in the octagon? I was very impressed and especially with that ground upon, you know, that that's one thing that, uh, as a ground fighter, I look at it very well because you don't see a lot of people utilize the ground and pound and, and get the most out of it. And you've seen, you know, in a lot of positions, he was just, you know, made short, short work of that. You know, so with that ability to hold someone down and ground and pound them like that, you know, that's a lot of control. And uh, a guy that has that kind of control, being able to unleash that kind of ground and pound, yeah, it's definitely got to, you know, 
make some of the guys in weight class like, okay, now we have definitely another contender in the weight class. He's built like a brick S house too, Brandon Wise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the guy the guy the guy knows his way around the gym. Very Ian Heinish like there with the Jurassic back. That's your boy. Um do you feel like this was kind of that Bellatorish matchmaking though, where they just set him up to look really good in this opportunity? Are you trying to say they set forty nine year old Antonio McKee up to look really good in that opportunity <laughs> over the weekend <laughs> as well? Is this where you're going? All right, Herschel Walker wasn't coming in there at 52 and facing killers. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I'm going. Yeah, look, this was a co-main. This was the house guy. Hermanson was from nearby Sweden, but this was the house guy. Huge pop, huge welcome moment. In the past, would they have given this guy a tougher challenge? Probably. But they've had a few guys of late in recent years who come in from kickboxing or from another background with a big name and then they lose their debut and sort of you pop the balloon is it better to match it this way you can argue yes it's definitely better to match it this way because at the end of the day listen you want to take advantage of the fact that you're in the guy's hometown and he has this momentum you know if you can't if you can't make the guy you know a star in his hometown and you're not gonna make him star anywhere so if you're going to give him that that fight, give him that one at home where people can say, you know what, I'm tuning in no matter where this guy's fighting around the country, around the world, I should say. That's fair. That, that's sort of confidence builder. It's a brand builder. It just kind of reminded me of uh, Gokensaki came in to the UFC just yeah, recently, Go right? Kinsaki. I mean, yeah. he did get that knockout of uh, Henrique De Silva, but then Roundtree kind of took his lunch in his soul, and we haven't heard from him since. So, um Interesting stuff there. Big win. Uh, Brandon, what else jumped out at you on this card over the weekend? Uh, I was able to watch this in L.A. under the bed sheets in the hotel room ahead of Spence Porter at like 8 a.m. Pacific time. This is fantastic. I mean, we got to talk about the OSP. Oh, my gosh. First of all, well, the, the choke is one thing, but just being able to just endure what he endured that first round. I mean, listen. I've seen an OSP in a lot of fights, and I've seen OSP in those fights. All that he lost exhibit that kind of behavior, you know. But it shows his growth coming out that second round and was able to do what he did. I mean, hey, OSP is growing, you know. And uh, that that kid that first round was tough, tough, tough. Yeah, can you pronounce that name first, Brandon? Which name? The guy who OSP put the Von Prue choke on? No, I'm not even, I don't even have it in front of me. Mihal Olek Olek Sukjik, something like Ol- that. Olin Chuck or something. Olin. Coach Shashevsky, yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Look, but OSP is such a feaster, famine dude. Thirty six, yeah. he might be getting better, but it feels like every time you think he's gonna lose, he wins, and every time you're like, oh, he's gonna knock this dude out, something bad happens. Yeah. Can you believe he's fought ten times since that John Jones interim title fight? I can't believe it. <laughs> I, 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 I don't believe it. And he's five and five. Oh, man, I don't believe it. Wow. And uh, none of those are dis- – er, sorry, one of them was a decision, the uh, Dom Reyes fight last year. But it's just you – know, like BC said, it's just been so feast or famine. I know. and and But, you know, that, that has to be so uh, frustrating for a fighter. You know what I'm saying? Where it's just you're, you're – you, he knows he has talent. He knows that he can hang in there with some of the best. I mean, he has. He's been in there with the best – John Jones for five rounds. That's not an easy task, you know? So he knows he has the ability. It's just, it's just mental, you know? And at that point, you got to say, okay, either I'm going to mentally do this or I'm mentally not going to do this. So it might not be bad for him to get somebody 
a performance coach or something like that. I don't know. I don't know, know if he even has one, but you know, when you look at somebody who doesn't have that consistency, it, it's normally a performance. And especially when they have the ability like OSB does. Indeed. Uh, we saw, did you see the weigh-in when Ion Kutelaba got in Khalil Roundtree Jr.'s face and screamed at him? him. He scared him. And then came out and finished him, uh, you know, effectively and impressively. Big win there for the wild man. I like that Gilbert Burns fight of, uh, as well against Gunnar Nelson. That was uh, yeah. pure violence all the time. Ended up going to the scorecards. Um how about them burying this Mark Jacasey Lando Venata fight that we talked about last week? Second fight on the card. That was some fun violence for three rounds. And I missed it. I missed that one. I missed it. PC was at like six thirty AM for that fight. It was, it was wake and shake. Let's do it. Let's let's uh let's let's do that thing. Um yeah, man. All right. UFC Copenhagen. Uh, that's all I got. That's all I got on it. All right, a little little fun piece of business there. It didn't move my soul though. Okay, I don't I, unless you want to tell me about Nick Dalby's great turnaround from alcoholism to a big win over Cowboy Oliveira. Not that big in my heart. I'm sorry. All right. Let's talk about the Bellator. Stuff. All right, let's move on. Bellator loaded up two cards this weekend. They had the return on Friday night in Dublin, in which MVP got a nice flying knee knockout to sort of rebrand himself as that dude, and then had a little. Uh, dust up there with uh was it dan mergliata dan mergliata yep uh who told him that he's a pos possibly is not denying it won't be refereeing his fights in the future according to the head of the commission there big uh, win james gallagher took care of that late replacement you saw benson henderson get by miles jury but what we want to talk about is what went on in the forum in inglewood la over the weekend in this featherweight tournament guys what a night of entertainment. Not just the four fights on the second half of the bracket, but this gamble they did with the reality TV Bellator selection show. I don't want to go any further than talking about this because my boy Brandon Wise, who watched it live, was like, bro, this is cringe city. You're going to hate this. This is awful. They blew it. These guys are lame. I'm never watching Bellator again. Scott Coker, I will kick you in the shin if I see you out on the streets. I had no expectations. Rashad, this thing ruled. This was great. The fighters come out. They show their card. They get to pick the date that they want. They could avoid an opponent or they can get big balls and go after one. You saw strategy. You saw personalities from guys who, to be honest, don't really have personalities. Big win for the people. I was fired up. That's a beautiful thing. And, 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 you know, that's another thing. You're going to see these fighters go out there and fight, you know, because this is a fight that they want, you know, and, and, that, and that's just, that's the beauty of it all. That's the beauty of it all. So, uh, yo, congratulations being able to switch it up for Bellator because at the end of the day, when it comes selecting these fights and making it fun and making it a process that, that, you know, honestly, if you're a matchmaker and you're in that room, it's a hard thing to do. So why not toss it up? I, I Beautiful. Brandon, we got to see behind the scenes things that we don't see beautiful. normally. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. We got to see guys with pressure in the moment have to decide, you know, based on injury, based on who they're avoiding. It was theater. Try to tell me that it, that it sucked, please. It sucked. It did. Because this is why, this is the only reason why it sucked. The first four people who went up, nobody wanted to fight each other. They all picked whatever date that they had options for. So then the people that were picking next had to pick whoever they wanted to fight. And guess who everybody avoided, uh, Rashad? Who did they avoid? Adam Borix. Uh, nobody wanted nobody to fight Adam Borix. <laughs> <laughs> so You're damn right, dude. 
this is strategy. This is this is uh, smart placement. They also wanted to rest injuries. Who was that one dude? Pedro Carvalho was like, I want to get fat over Christmas, bro. So I'm going to be taking this date over here. Yeah, I man, I don't know. It To me, it just felt like they made it this way and they expected people to be like, oh, you you pick that date. I'm fighting you. Don't worry about it. Like, we've got this book. And then it was just kind of like, oh, you let's just fill it in as we go and we'll just play like weird strategy. I, I don't say think there was strategy. There wasn't anybody that really stepped up and got big balls. It seemed like uh, A.J. McKee, who had a big time knockout, we can talk about that in a second, was trying to get everybody to fight him. He wanted the smoke. The guys on the second half, the final four, I get I get what you're saying. They weren't like, F it, man. I want that title shot. I want you right now, or I want whatever. There wasn't a lot of people showing their stones, if you will. I'm like John Jones. I sound like Sean Combs, and I got trombone-sized stones like John Holmes. Yeah, well, I mean, Chael would have been out there fighting them all, but, but Brandon, <laughs> you got to see the, like, I like the little 30-second talks with the coach because you can kind of hear what they're saying, but not really, and you could see the strategy. Some of it was, I got to rest this injury. Some of it was straight up. I'd rather fight Daniel Veichel and maybe get a chance at making the final four than walking into Adam Boric or going after Caldwell, who looked great moving up in weight. I kind of liked how we saw it, but the best part about it, Rashad, was the champion's advantage at the end. It reminded me of those, uh, what do they call those, white elephant games at Christmas time? You ever play that little grab bag game in your office or at your uh, family get-together where whoever picks number one out of the hat at the end gets to trump everybody? And you can go up to Grandma and be like, Grandma, I know you got that little, uh, uh, I know you got that little, uh, you know, I know you got the lottery tickets in the in the, uh, in the the pack of licorice and you're loving that, but here, take this gift instead because I wanted that. That's, that was what Pitbull came in. And I like what happened. He shakes it up. He gets the date he wants and forces Caldwell to the other side of the tracks against Adam Boric. And suddenly, that is a must-see fight. Because it's the one he didn't want at all. And, that, and that's the beautiful thing about it. And that was the, But that was the thing. So they f- definitely didn't fully explain this to Pitbull. Or Pitbull was just still confused after his fight because he was just in a five-round war with uh, Juan Archuleta. But like... He was, they, um, Jen Brown was like, all right, Pitbull, you can change everything. You can pick whatever you want to fight. And he's like, I want to fight in March, but there's two guys already there. And she's like, well, you can push one of them out. And he's like, <laughs> well, he doesn't really speak English either. So I get the, 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 the mess of, you know, what we didn't get, we didn't get the trash talk. We didn't get a lot of that, but I think this was the perfect foundation to get that in the future, Brent. Do you think that the wall fight to make with, Are you there? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Keep going. The audio backfeeding. The call was what we were trying to book, and they he called him out after his fight with uh, Juan Archuleta, and they like jumped onto the side of the cage to try and trash talk, and then Pitbull just completely avoided him, and then like you said, pushed him to the other side against Boric. So, do you think like that's best case scenario at the end of this tournament? Uh, yeah. I think I think the, I think the way the brackets fell out was great, and I and I like the title having to go through Carvalho. There, it's a winnable matchup for Pitbull. I want Pitbull in the final, basically against the winner of Caldwell and Boric. I mean, no disrespect, AJ McKee may end up coming out of this, but uh, I love the way it played out, dude. I loved seeing the strategy involved in a fighter there. I loved everything about it. Okay, you know, I I, I find it interesting though, like you said, when you're able to see. You know, their initial response and how they, you know, talk to the coach and, you know, what they're what in their mind 
you know, perceived to be one reason why they made a decision over the other. That gives a serious insight on the psyche of, you know, what motivates a fighter or what makes a fighter a certain kind of way. You know, that's that's a very big, uh, a big tell. You know, if you go back and watch that, if you're one of the fighters, like, okay, well, he didn't want to fight me. I wonder why, you know? Exactly. And Carvalho did the whole Christmas excuse. It was I thought it was more obvious that he didn't want to fight Boric. And then now he's ended up getting a title shot, which is either good or bad, depending on where he wanted to find Pitbull in this bracket. So that little mystery at the end with the champion's advantage, Brandon, did did give you that potential for a shakeup. And we and we got it here. And, and Rashad's boy, Boric, showed up in the tight European dress shirt. He looks ready. He looks ready for action. He, he stays ready. That kid is a dynamite, I'll tell you that. Brandon, um, who do you think on your end won Saturday night from the performances of these four featherweight bouts? Oh, man, I think you just got to go with AJ McKee. I mean, go, starching Georgie Karadkanov in eight seconds, like fat, one of the fastest knockouts in Bellator history. Like, I don't know how you say anybody but him at this point. Yeah, Karkani in there. What'd you call him? Kazatanov? I mean, what's going on here, Brandon? Come on, get it together. Uh, look, big win for McKee. Just 24. Bellator homegrown. His pops had a big win on the undercard. And I'm talking about Darian Caldwell moving up to featherweight for this fight. I know he got criticized by the referee, got warned for not <laughs> for not going after it in the third round. People didn't think he did enough when he took the fight to the ground. The decision went over Corrales. I know he didn't do enough, but his ease at taking Corrales down and his ability to make that fight be exactly what he wanted it to, you got to think of him as a potential stealer in this tournament. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen. Carl Carl was one of those tough guys, and, and his ability to to find a way to get the job done. You know, I think that that stands above, you know, head and shoulders above anybody else. You know, I think that when when uh, Caldwell he he knows how to make it through those dog fights, and 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 a fighter who knows how to make it through those dog fights and knows how to win a fight, that's a tough guy to have in any any tournament. So um, it's interesting though. Caldwell did get the matchup that he, he doesn't want to have, so it's going to be interesting to see how he. He goes with with Borax, you know, it's going to be I mean, my boy is, is on fire, but, you know, he even shows that, you know, sometimes when he has to go against a grinder, he has to pull out that second gear and become that other guy. You know, I just like overall what this night did to make me care about this tournament more to put some faces on guys that you really only knew the name or you knew a couple of their fights. Big win for Pitbull. Brandon, to go five hard rounds with Archuleta coming in there with a 21-fight win streak. Do you take anything away from what Pitbull did there? I mean, he sort of dictated the terms of that fight and landed the bigger blows. Did you like everything you saw? Yeah, he looked he looked fine. He, he put on a championship performance where he was clearly better than Juan Archuleta. He didn't need to show too much of his game. He showed what he needed to get to get the win and get the decision. And he's saving. He's probably saving himself a little bit for the future fights in this tournament, just so that he's not exposing himself to a possible injury or anything like that. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I want to talk about what became the main event on this card last minute, because Rashad, we said last week, if you are making this comeback, you might want to keep an eye on this middleweight bout, a rematch from their UFC days when Gegard Mousasi and former UFC light heavyweight champion Leota Machida did business. Turns out it was a split decision win for Musasi. Kind of largely void, though, of action. How did you, uh, you know? It, it was, it was largely void of action. And, and, and basically because 
you know, it was uh, Gegard's um, strategy. You know, he, he went there to be the counter-striker with the counter-striker. And I think that threw Machida off because Machida's never used to going first. You know, as, as one of the best counter-strikers in the game, you know, he has a way of pan- making people panic so that they end up throwing an ill, you know, ill-timed shot and then he's able to take advantage. But um, with, with Musasi, he wasn't able to um, – make him panic at all, you know, all those little quick kicks or even the little high kick that he does to, you know, to, to garner that, that panic feeling, it didn't work against Musasi and Musasi stayed compa- composed and you've seen him, uh, just being the, the quicker fighter inside the pocket when, when they, when they were trying to exchange and you see Machida very uncomfortable in, in the, the pocket when they're exchanging, almost, you know, pulling himself out. And that's what I believe gave him the win uh, Gegard I'm speaking about uh, gave him the win in the judge's eyes the fact that he was able to you know win those exchanges and, and largely come up with with you know little to no uh, little to no hits at all in exchange you know Machida did land a few um, few few straight lefts but you know the, the problem that Machida has is the fact that you know with that point karate style you you got to throw combinations still you still have to throw combinations you know it's it's it, you can't always look for the one punch one shot one kill you know you have to be able to throw combinations and i think that that's what uh, machida fell short of just being able to throw uh combinations and brandon from an entertainment standpoint this was certainly a dud but if you're scott coker and bellator this loss doesn't kill machida by any means are you um are you uh, maybe sending the text message to the producers of the State of Combat and saying, hey, you guys got Rashad's phone number at all? Because I got a hot <laughs> rematch to make. I mean, it's a fight. I would think that our colleague here should be very excited about if he's looking to make that kind of move. But, it, I mean, you know, Machida, he didn't. Here, here's the thing about it. Machida didn't look bad. None of these guys look bad at all. It's the fact that it was just um, it was just a strategy, you know, and, and the strategy just didn't didn't play out of Machida's favor. You know, he, he got, uh, you know, one of the judges, you know, gave him some, gave him more rounds than, than I, than I gave him. But, um, yeah, you know, he just, he just needs to be more offensive with, with his combinations, combination striking is missing. Uh, do you expect the phone to ring Rashad or am I just living out this fantasy <laughs> of, uh, welcome to the 40 year old Rashad era, Leo. Hey, if the phone if the phone rings then, then yeah I'll answer that phone call all for right, sure. Right, I, I I can get down with that. I can get down. I mean, be wise. We we did we'd have to be there front row. We'd have to see this thing. All right. I mean, listen, listen. Even even with a performance like that, you know, Machida, it, I, like I said, I don't think it was a bad performance at all. I think he still showed that he still has a lot of spring. You know, his he had a lot of spring in in his legs as he was you know kept his rhythm the whole entire fight. You know, it was just. Um, not being able to make Gegar come out of his shell that really stuck on that fight. When you have such a big fight as you did in your title bout with Machida, when you see the man over the years, what has your interactions been like with him? Is it is it Bushido? Is it I love no, him? Yeah, it's, it's always cool. Like, you know, he gives me a hug, you know, talks to me and, and you know, he chats me up, you know. I mean, listen, after you knock a guy out, you know what I'm saying? There's no reason to be uh you know, keep a beef going. So, but but you know, in general, Machida is just that guy. He's just, he's just a good guy in general. You know, he's one of the good guys in the sport. Uh, there's there's um, he's he's one he's one of the better guys in the sport. Just a genuine genuine caring guy. All right. 
All right, I'm done with that. Uh, I didn't want to gloss over too quickly, but Brandon, MVP is back. Michael Venom Page there. Good looking knockout against a guy who may have driven the Uber car ride back. <laughs> but um, no, if you're, you did what kind no, of fun matchups can we make for him now? This tournament's wow. over. I mean, yeah. Lima's going to be a little bit busy. We're not going to run that back anytime soon. You want to play Bellator? You want to play Bellator matchmaker right now? Well, I mean, there's just not fun fight. Like, he just needs to fight guys like this. That's when he's fun. Yeah. Like, he wasn't fun against Paul Daly after all of that buildup and all of that trash talk. The Lima fight was fun just because he pressed the gas pedal and went for it and paid for it. So I don't, I just don't know what you can do with him. He hasn't shown to me that he's like a top 10 or top 15 type guy even. For so Bellator. you're like just be an attraction. So, yeah. so was this guy trash talking before? Like, what was it? Was it like a beef before? That's why he, that's why when he knocked him out, he shined on him like that. Or was it just kind of like, I don't no, have that shit. information. He just loved the shine on people. Like yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, remember that video he put out about Ronda Rousey after uh, Holly Holm sent her to hell and he was doing like the Rousey dance and, and I didn't see that. I didn't see that. No, I didn't oh, see yeah. that. Oh uh, yeah. He did the thing where he rolled a pokeball like from Pokemon at an opponent after he knocked him out unconscious. So. He's just a weird dude who loves to do like crazy celebrations like that. Yeah, he's a, he is an entertainer. I'm down with that. Uh, Want to remind our listeners out there, UFC 243 weekend is upon us. We're excited to break that down later in the show, but we want to hear from you. We want to respond to your questions, your responses, your opinions on this show. The best way we can make this transaction happen is to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you consume this audio. Leave your review. Leave a comment. Hey, leave your response. We want to hear your take. We want to respond to it. So how about you give us your picks this weekend for that UFC 243 main event? It's Adesanya. It's Whitaker. It's a unification. We want to know who's going to win and how. If anyone's able to predict it perfectly, we may even send you something. All right? So have your voice be heard. Go in there. Review. Respect. Pay it forward. Audio. Style. All right, guys, we're going to wrap Bellator up in the books. There was some news this past week in the sport. Where are we going here, B? What do we got here? Bring it to me, all right? We got to go to UFC 245. They finally have made it official. Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington Mm. for the welterweight title. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. Guys, this has become a monster card. I know. I know that this is going to be... A monster card, but this fight is going to be amazing. I mean, this this fight, you know, there, there's so much into it, so much emotion into this fight, and both of these fighters are so well matched because their styles are just pretty much identical. You know, when it when you come in to the difference of the style, I guess it would be just in Camaro's size, which allows him to, you know, have better control when he takes guys down and exhibit more of the ground and pound, whereas Kobe. Uh, allows guys to get up a little bit more. That's the difference. And and oh well. And actually, Camaro's striking is is I, I give Camaro the edge with the striking. You know, he throws better combination striking. But when it comes to pressure, uh, these guys have very similar game plans, game, game styles. I mean, look at what we're talking about now for 145, which is December 14th, Las yeah. Vegas. This is the big one, the former New Year's Eve weekend card. ESPN moving it up a few weeks. We have Usman Covington, Holloway Volkanovsky, Nunez GDR2, and then you got Robbie Lawler, Ponzinibbio, 
being talked mm-hmm. about for that card. Sergio mm-hmm. Pettis back against Kai Kara France. Matt Brown's on there. Jessica I making a comeback on there. Uh Brandon, this is kind of our uh it's kind of our Super Bowl card here for the for the calendar year, correct? I mean, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I would say so for the year. My only question would be you, what of those fights to you is the main event? Because that still hasn't really been determined. Oh, that's it's I think well here's the yeah, that's a good question. The biggest star on this card is Max Holloway, but yeah. Usman Covington is is the Yeah. That's the sell. Well, that's the juice yeah, right that- there. Yeah, so which fight is the last fight? Because they're not going to call one of the main event. Like when they're all main events, they all like all co co headliner. But which one is the official last fight? I feel like from a marketing strategy, it's got to be that welterweight fight. It's got to be. They got to close the show, right? Because there's 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 no real heat, so to speak, right. on Holloway, Volkanovski, and really Nunez and and GDR. So I think that that's the only de facto way to pick it. But, yeah, I mean, three title fights. The only other one I think that we've had like that was 217, right? We've seen that a few times. 217, I think, was the last time we really had a just three title fight. What'd you say? I said the last time. The, there's been more than one card with three title fights before? Yes. I believe there has. Is that, was that the first time in UFC history? I have to believe it. I've seen that before for, for these jacked-up style cards. But off but, the top of my head, I'm not finding it. So, you know, you could be right there, Brandon. But um, it was good to see that the negotiations didn't fall apart, that Colby didn't overplay his hand in the end, although we have some interesting sound coming in here from um, Showtime's Below the Belt podcast, Food Truck Diaries, <laughs> when Brandon Schaub sat down with Tyron Woodley. Talking about how Colby was kind of doing, he overshot his load. He overshot his load. All right, he, he, he shot his load, guys. Uh, that's that's kind of what what happened right there. Let's uh, bring in uh, Floyd Mayweather quickly on that. Um, Let him shoot his load, and then down the stretch, do what we do best. When did you think that the fight was starting to turn when he shot his load? And wow, it's an epidemic. So he shot his load. Okay, this is getting gross. All right, I'm a little bit done with that. Maybe he uh, he blew his water. Okay, hey guys, I'm just happy we have a fight. All right, where where are we? I I got lost there for a second. Okay, <laughs> thank you for filling time for me. Thank uh, you, that was appreciate it. UFC 205 also had three title fights on it. The first oh, New York card. Ah, uh, that was a badass card. That was Connor and Connor Eddie. And- it was Joanna jo- and Carolina, yep. and it was Woodley Thompson one. Yes, sir. Which, by the way, Rashad, you know MMA. Woodley Thompson won was a badass fight. That draw, back and forth. Thompson almost got that choke, right? Or no, Woodley almost had the choke in round four. And people forget about it because the rematch was was a a game of chess. Yeah, yeah. But it was – the first one was amazing. The first one was amazing. But, you know, even the second fight, it was was a chess match. And you've seen, strategically speaking, if you – you know, if you're a, a game planner of any of the styles, you may be able to see the intricacies. But, yeah, it was a snooze fast to say the least. But, I mean, listen, I'm excited to see T. Wood get back out there because he's been he's been he's been he's he's walked his walk and he's and he's faced it. You know, he's faced that what he didn't want to face. And uh and I think now, once you face it, you know you're ready to compete again. But it's it's another thing to face it and then to 
face it again on fight night, you know, against another opponent. So it's going to be interesting to see what T would do that does from here on out. Yeah. What do you think um, went on in that title fight against Usman? Was he just dominated and outclassed or was there a, did the wires not connect mentally that night? No, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, whenever whenever you lose like that, you know, it's always a perfect storm. You know, we, we can we can go to his his personal life and just, you know, see how he was just losing a lot of energy there. And, uh, you know, going also, you know, with the, the, the rap and everything out right there, you can see he was losing energy there, too. And all these different things. But, you know, T. Wood has always been one of those people who could compartmentalize all those things really well and still do well. But um, after a while, you know, e- even Superman needs to take a break, you know, and, and I think that everything just caught up to him. And when you're going against a guy like Usman, Usman, uh, he's different. He's different. And you don't realize how different he is until you're in there with him, until you feel like, okay, this guy's got some muscle and he's strong, you know. And typically speaking, when you go against a guy who's muscly and strong built, you think that's going to fade pretty soon, especially the way that uh, Usman fights, you know, like grinding wrestling style, you fade fast, but he doesn't, you know. And I think all those things contributed to uh, to the perfect storm for T. Wood losing that night. Interesting stuff there for sure. Uh, Brandon, how um, how do you think this Usman Colby fight promotion is going to go? <laughs> Uh, this could get weird and gross. It could be uh, what it is. Uh, you think we're going to see gross? <laughs> you think we're going to get Marty with uh, some personality here? We might need Rashad to just stand in the middle of those two again, smiling and laughing as they both keep talking smack to each other. It was a great moment. That was one of TV's greatest moments there with uh, ESPN <laughs> analyst Rashad. Awkward, awkward moment. <laughs> like, what do I? I can't even ask any questions. Uh, but it was great though because you just yeah, stood just, there smiling, just smiling like okay, okay. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be gross, but I think it's going to do what the UFC needs it to do, which is sell the hell out of that card and get people interested in a card that normally is a New Year's Eve event that's going to be moved up this year because of college football. So I think that it that I think more than anything pushes them into the main event slot where, you know, they're both just going to stop nonstop trash talk the whole time. So, yeah. And you got to wonder, like, how does that trash talk? You know, it it um it plays out during training camp, you know, how, how you know, because that that trash talk and everything else like that, you don't want to lose to a guy who like Kobe, you know, so that's the kind of guy that, that keeps you up at night because you want to make sure you you do everything correctly. And, and that's when you have to be careful as well to um, and you have to have somebody watch you, you know, protect you from yourself because you can do too much and get injured and not not actually make it to the fight. So, you know, the, the trash talking, uh, you're going to have to, uh, I guess what I did when I was in my big trash talking fights is I compartment, I compartmentalize it. I allow myself to have so much energy just for that trash talking. But then when I was done, I was able to divorce myself from it. When I didn't do that, is when I fought John Jones and that uh, it, it was hard for me on fight night because on fight night, the first, you know, first few blows that I threw, I was completely exhausted, you know, and it was just complete, just, um, you know, you had that adrenaline dump in the cage and it's just a terrible 
terrible yeah, place to recover. It's interesting because that happened to Daniel Cormier in the first John Jones fight as well. Something he talked about. Uh, what outside of the the very very famous uh, rampage trash talk war? So why are you tearing on a door? I mean, who does that? <laughs> and outside of the very famous build to uh, John Jones trash talk, what other what other fights got a little saucy that I'm not remembering here in the uh, uh, the Tito Ortiz. Very true. The rematch, right? Yeah, yeah. You forget about it, Tito Ortiz. Almost all of them, to be honest. I, me and Michael Bisbing, uh, we had a little. We we had a little Gareth A. Davis. We were going back and forth. Remember, we had the the uh, the commentary between the two of us. So that kind of got a little ugly. I, I used to make it ugly a lot with a lot of the opponents that I would fight, and it was part of part of the you know how I got myself into the fight. But sometimes you can cross a line where you happen to emotionally yes. give too much, then that's when it becomes a problem. Baby girl, put it on me. I want you to put it on me. I want you to try to do your best to put it on me because that's the only way I want it. If oh, you don't give me everything you got, I'm going to be pissed off. That's what she said. Oh, got him. Hey, Tito got getting him. in the back door there. All right, Tito. Wow. Hey, I did catch that uh, pre-screening there of the 30 for 30 ESPN, um, Chuck and Tito. Did you guys get a chance to see that? Did. No, I didn't see it. Was it. Good. I didn't guest, special guest appearance on the broadcast for that third, the trilogy fight. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. A lot of Rashad, yeah, face and voice on that. Yeah, a lot of Rashad calling that classic in Inglewood that night. Ah, okay, okay. There, when an old man was sent. Classic. Yes. All right. Uh, hey, Rashad, what the hell is going on at Jackson Wink? Are you woke to this? Uh, oh, I just I just got woke to it the other day, man. That's some crazy. Frank Lester, uh, the coach, oh, wow, the striking yeah. coach, puts out on Instagram that John Jones and Mike Winklejohn have screwed him out of money, and on site he will fight John Jones. John came out to defend and said he's calling the Albuquerque police, who <laughs> from the intersection they do know John well. Um, yeah, please leave me alone, bro, or see me in court. Was Jones's last comment on that um yeah. who is frank lester you know this guy yeah he, he he's tough man he's tough yeah he's um you know he's he's a coach but he's game you know what i'm saying he's game like he don't you know what i'm saying like he's one of those guys like you're gonna fight him you're gonna fight him you know what i'm saying it's not it's gonna be a fight so i think maybe jones like yeah you know he, he didn't want that kind of Want those kind of problems, you know? And, this could be uh, Jones's heavyweight debut that we've been waiting for, you know? Yeah, but you know, would you, for him to say that like that, though, he must know Jones really, really well. You know what I'm saying? Knows him on 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 those days where you don't feel like training, and then you got your opponent in front of you, and he says, "You know what? I'm gonna take it easy on you today, but we're gonna get this work in." Because some days it's like that, you know. Some days it's like that, and and he must he must. Uh, he must have got at Jones a little bit to be able to to say that. <laughs> and and then, then the a, response on I top of that. I want to read a piece of Frank Lester's long rant here on Instagram. Uh, but F you all very much. The only thing that comes to mind when I hear your names are cowardice and deceit. It's on site, JBJ. <laughs> so keep that security close, F boy. We both know you ain't no real one. Real ones don't steal from pregnant women and their families. I thought he just hit the pregnant woman. I didn't think he stole from her. That's another issue. I'm sorry, Brandon. I'm sorry. All right, I'm sorry. It's a it's a public statement that happened. Wow, this is getting a little hairy here. I obviously, uh, all bad jokes aside, um, hope this gets figured out without any outside the cage um, 
happenstance going on there. But um, you were once a member of that gym, Rashad. So that's why I brought it to light. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in, in the way that, uh, you know, I can't really speak on that situation or, or um, you know, or the ones that have happened in the past that, that I haven't been a part of. But, you know, what you see is that, um, you know, a, a trend. You see a trend. And, you know, I mean, everyone is saying it. And my mom will say this. Everybody can't be telling the same lie. <laughs> can't be telling the same lie. That's what my mama tell me. So I used to love the uh, MMA Live Rashad Rashad's mom impersonations that we used to hear back in the day. You mentioned Gareth A. Davis back in the day. You know, what I'm Rashad. Everybody ain't telling the same lie now. I'm gonna tell you that right now. John Jones, you doing something? Mike Winkle, John, you doing something too? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, Brandon, were you watching this? Um this trailblazer in MMA television called MMA Live on ESPN. Back in the day, I was working on it as a very low-level editor-producer. Rashad was the star, if you will. Were you watching this golden piece of business? Along with John Anik? From the mind of Kieran Portley, uh, yes. And Anthony Mormal, yes. Great television. We had this fan and send in that theme song that time. Yeah, do you get MMA news yeah. with so many places that you can't hey, hey, tell them only one, one show. Yeah, it's great. It's calling. It goes on and on. Talks oh, about Rashad. Are you serious? Talks about Rashad I, doing impressions. Says, you know, talks about how I handsome. I've never heard that. Never oh, it's on YouTube. You got to find it. Oh, Search oh, MMA I, theme song, I, I, MMA live no. theme song on there. Um, speaking of John Jones, he was also in the news. We do know coming up in Boston that Chris Weidman will make his 205 debut on October 18th against Dom Reyes. Did you guys hear? Oh, yeah. What's John going Jones, on like here you... on the back and forth? Uh, John Jones's response to Weidman saying, okay, here's the deal. Weidman was on a radio submission radio. He said that John Jones has a lot of holes in his game, and he always believed he had the blueprint to beat John Jones. They told John about it, his response, quote, yo, I'm just checking the news. Somebody tell Chris Weidman he don't want to fight me. Hey, Chris, stop. <laughs> Be careful with that target you're staring at on my back. It just might bite you in the ass. I think that's John's way of saying on site. Not you, Frank the Tank Weidman. On site. <laughs> I don't think Chris Weidman really wants this smoke, guys. I know you're a super fan, Brandon, but I mean, like, come on. You know, this is a bad idea. I mean, yeah. I want to see. I want to see. Before I say it's a bad idea, let me see Weidman. At 205, you know, because because Wyman had to work through some things, you know what I'm saying? So when I see him at 205 and he looks to be that guy, then you can say, OK, maybe maybe I can see him, you know, being able to to push Jones. Because here's the thing about it. Jones Jones have shown in his last few fights that he can like he, he's human. You know, he's shown that he's human. So, I mean, a yeah, gentleman like Chris this ain't that that cyborg Maheta who came in there with no working limbs and was like, I'm going five, bro. I'm going five. That's, that's true. That's true. I mean, you said Weidman had to work through some things. He had to work through some devastating knockout <laughs> losses. No disrespect. He fought the very best time and time again. But, damn, he might need Mr. Weidman to come in right now. And everybody, thank you. And this is still my boy. <laughs> yeah, but Mr. Weidman's still not a good idea to fight Jojo. But, hey, it's a, it's a fight you could sell. If uh, Weidman gets by... Reyes, it's a very makeable fight, although I'm... That's the thing about it, and that's the thing about it. All jokes aside, if he gets by Reyes, and he gets by Reyes the way he got by Kelvin Gastelum, yes. then he can be like, okay, now we can see him and John Jones. But because I'm, listen, 
Yeah. At the end of the day, this guy was a champion, you know, and you can't, you cannot discount that. This guy knows how to win. This guy beat Anderson Silva twice. Well, you could argue that uh, Silva lost those fights, but I don't know if I've been really. <laughs> either, but, but the deal I'm looking for, and we all know what we all want, and that's the. That's the rematch that we've been waiting a long time for, and that's Weidman Rockhold too. All right, we were robbed of it at 199. Then Bisping stole the middleweight division. I mean, it's Luke's fault in the end. I'll you, say it. It's are Luke's you going to hold on to that? No, that's that, that that's done. That's done. I don't think that's ever going to happen. All right, uh, this is a great chance for Rockhold to get back into our lives and win one. All right, I I need to see that fight. I need to see it. GSP. No, no, no GSP. No GSP. Rockhold. Yeah. All right. All right. Get Luke on the. There we go. Okay. Brandon, you got any <laughs> other news? Because this show's off the rails. I think we're good. We have off the rails. Oh, time. Cyborg's back. I ran into her at a party there at, in L.A. on Saturday, and uh, she was talking about this. They announced later that night at the Bellator card she will fight for the women's. What division is this, Brando? Is this featherweight? featherweight? It has to be featherweight. It's featherweight, yeah. January 25th, same arena in L.A. against Julia Budd. Yeah, it's a great fight. Budd hasn't lost in a you know, but but hasn't lost since he fought Ronda Rousey in like the Strike Force Qualifiers Challenge series. I mean, this is a good ass fight. Yeah, I'm very excited to see it. I want to see what Cyborg looks like now that she seems to be refreshed. She's not under the stresses of UFC and her contract anymore. I, I'm curious, especially since she looked kind of vulnerable in that last fight that she had against Felicia Spencer over the summer. Yeah, I love the way she says cybernation, cybernation. Talking about her fans, she's great. She's great. Um, guys, let's get into what matters most, all right? Unless Rashad, you got a soliloquy here no, right? about Julia Butt. All right, shout out to Julia Butt there. Um, it is Saturday. It's a big time pay per view from down under Melbourne, Melbourne, as they say, Australia, Marvel Stadium. This does have the making to be a cultural event down there. An all oceanic middleweight Super Bowl when interim title holder Israel Adesanya steps up to the big boy level against returning. Champion Robert Whitaker, 16 month layoff due to injury since the last time we saw him go five full with Yoel Romero. Guys, this is it's a dream fight. I mean, it's 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 kind of a dream fight. It it, it hits you in the hardcore hole. It gets you fired up personality wise. It's for control of one of the hottest divisions. And it's really I would think the winner is going to be launched into a next level of stardom, not just in their area down there in Australia, but overall in the UFC. Rashad, what gets you fired up the most about this matchup? I mean, it, man, it, first of all, Robert Whitaker is one of the, the the toughest gangsters and middleweight ever to exist. I mean, this guy, technically speaking, can go toe-to-toe with the best on a technical level. But then you add in the fact that this guy has a mentality that that you see few and far between have. You know, this guy can go to war and still and still be standing there. You know, what the, the battles with Romero, that's when I became a fan. That's when I became like, yo, this guy is something special here. Uh, because, of that, you know, b- before then, you know, he, he was decent, but... I didn't truly get an appreciation for the skill set that he had because in those battles he showed that technically speaking he had it, but then he showed that he had the grit as well too. Now we contrast that with Israel. Israel now has a lot of skill, and he just got his 
his, I guess, his wings in, in, in the respect category when it comes to being a dog in his last fight when he fought Kevin Gashlam. So now we know that Israel has that dog in him. We know that he has that dog in him. But I think when it comes to just, I think Whitaker just has that, you know, is, is a little bit tougher, a little bit doggier, I guess, in that sense. But the thing that makes me feel that this fight goes in the favor of Israel is the fact that Rob has been out for so long. And that, that ring rust, mm-hmm. that plays in, that plays in, on you, not so much because, you know, your timing is off. You know what I'm saying? And Israel's been feeling more and more comfortable each and every single time he goes out into the octagon. So now he practically feels like it's his. You know, so that's what that's what Whitaker is up against. A guy who feels like that cage is his and he's coming from, you know, 16 months off. I mean, timing has to be the biggest fear in a layoff this long. And I mean, look, Brando, would you want is there is there a matchup? that Whitaker could have right now at middleweight where timing could be more important than such a pinpoint dynamic striker in Adesanya? Are you fearful of the Reaper here, of of what happens when you're out this long? Or, good God, his resume of toughness and just figuring things out is is very, very well spoken for. Yeah, I mean, that's to me is more... I'm, I'd be more worried about Israel in this sense because I think Robert likes to push push the pace a little bit more than than Israel does and Israel likes to set up those counter shots so if he's going to be able to land one of those or set one of those big counter hooks or or big kicks to the head up he's going to have to wait for those opportunities because it's all about where Robert ends up pushing and and when he decides to go forward because Robert has like that weird strength and power because he's such a big middleweight as it is like mm-hmm. physically built that I don't know what Israel's power is going to translate like against somebody like him because as bc has mentioned before like whitaker ate some bombs from yoel romero and he went down but he didn't go out he was still there he was still completely with it he just he was on his back trying to defend i don't know how that is going to translate against somebody like israel who we know is a very good striker he loves that kickboxing game but will that be able to translate in a fight like this where it's going to be tough to find those 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 openings against against Robert. Whitaker gets hit though. Compared to the other elites, I was looking at what you know some of the fight metric breakdowns that Richard Mann does for ESPN, and you'll see the stats that show you that you know Adesanya's percentage defensively is great in terms of his movement and slipping shots. Mm-hmm. Whitaker gives so it takes so he can give so to speak, and I wonder how much that will be uh, play a factor in this role. If this turns out to just be a kickboxing chess match. One with violence, though. I mean, uh, in a, a war of attrition, but but a strategic one. I, you know, if Whitaker lets Adesanya be the counterpuncher, I feel like that's a that's a spider web to fall into, though. Well, I mean, here here's here's one thing that <clears throat> so it all it all depends like this. So you got a kickboxer, primarily Israel, who who likes to do primarily his work with his feet, right? So, but then you have a great combination puncher in Whitaker. If he can come forward with those combination punching, I think that beats a fancy kicker all day. But then at the end of the day, what have those fancy kicks done to him coming on the inside? Does he feel confident enough to be able to come on the inside? You know, that's that's the thing about it. And and also and also 
the couple with those fancy kicks, you know, he has a, the, the movement, the movement where he's always kind of always putting you in his trick bag and you don't even know you're in his trick bag as, you know, uh, Derek Brunson found out, you know what I'm saying? He didn't even know he was in his trick bag. And next thing you know, he's on the highlight reel at ESPN, you know what I'm saying? And that's just, that's just the dynamic thing that Israel can bring you into. But man, you know, Robert Whitaker. It's hard it's to call. Tough bastard. I mean, look, Whitaker had been such a, a headhunter early, but I went back and rewatched uh, big chunks of both Romero fights, and you really saw Whitaker target the legs. And I know he ate a ton of, of especially in that first fight, he ate a ton of leg damage from Romero. But if he commits to that against Adesanya, that's got to be a great strategy, given his power and his accuracy and his setups. But, Rashad, how much is wrestling going to play a part? Because you got the Adesanya haters. And, look, you're going to have a hater – and look, it's no different for Connor. Anyone who comes in there that's flashy, confident, and that tends to show a dominance in one discipline over the other, you're going to get, oh, this guy sucks. He's one dimensional. Wait till he fights the this version. And they've been right. saying that about wrestling without a son, even though he continually stuffs takedowns. And even when Gastelum got him down, boy, was he back up quick. How much will Whitaker's offensive wrestling play a part? Not only if he uses it offensively. But if he uses it out of desperation, if he's getting outstruck on the feet. Well, see, here's the thing about it. You're not going to take down a guy like the style bender on a consistent basis if you have the occasional, I'm going to take a shot mentality. If you have been working on your wrestling to the point where you feel confident in your wrestling that you can take a guy down over and over and over and over again and you're not going to get tired, then that presents a different kind of problem to Israel because at the end of the day, you're not looking for that one takedown to keep him down. And you're not going to, you're not going to, you know, put too much energy in that one takedown attempt. I think you, the person who's going to expose Israel uh, and what he has on the ground is someone who has a game plan like Habib, you know, with the ability to take multiple, multiple, multiple shots and don't seem to be fatigued and still stand up well enough to be able to get from A to B to close the distance and be a threat to take him down over and over again. I don't see that with Whitaker. I don't see that he has that that grinding with the wrestling that he's going to take him down and present a challenge more than Israel getting up two or three times because if that up and down, I think that is what changed, you know, that made it a closer fight with the Calvin Geshelum, you know, that, that made it so that Calvin had a better chance in that fight and Calvin fought a great fight, but that made it so that it was more in Calvin's realm when the up and down action happened because that hit your energy systems different. You don't have those kicks. You're not springy as you can. So, you know, Rob has to get him down at least two or three times to turn it into his kind of war. This is firing me up. Brandon, this is a 50-50 fight. Anyway, you look at it, odds makers have both. As I mean, Whitaker, a slight, slight favorite, but both are in the minus. You're not going to win it. You know, you got to you got to pay here to win. And rightfully so. How much does this play a factor in your eyes? Or am I making ish up? Whitaker's great. Ten rounds of hell with Romero. Whitaker's great. He knocked out Jacare. Brunson tried to brawl him. He sent him to hell. He's great. But we know how great he is. We, we know. We know who he is. We know how great he is. We don't know how great the style bender is. He showed extra stuff. Gastelum had the best night of his life against him. Gastelum had really set angles in attacks. He had heart. 
He had cardio. He gave him hell. And Adesanya raised the bar. It's part of your handicapping this fight, the idea that we don't know. Maybe Adesanya has one more power up in him that he could figure Whitaker out in the chess match and then have the balls and toughness to win this thing. Interesting. I think partially you're right. I think so. The the theory that you're presenting would be, it sounds like, if you were ranking the current champions in UFC, doing the power ranking that people probably, kind of like your pound for pound ranking, would you consider Robert on the very low end of those champions right now? What's in what criteria? Ability, accomplishments, all of that? Abil- ability, more than anything, I think, compared to like the rest of his division. I guess. Yeah, I see where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah. So you think that Israel's ceiling is higher? Yes. You think Israel could reach the top echelon, the upper echelon? I think echelon. Israel has superstardom in his future. I don't know if he wins on Saturday, but I feel like he's he hasn't – like Gastelum made him show a lot, but I still feel like there's more in there. That's really where I'm going with that. Yeah. See, so I just think like Robert in terms of style and, and fan – uh, friendly. I think that's what I enjoy more about his fights because no matter what with Robert Whitaker, if he's fighting, if he makes it to the ring, by the way, knock on wood. How dare you? It to, how how freaking dare you? Yeah, on Saturday night. Um, he's just fun. He's never in a boring fight. He yeah. always brings the entertainment to the fans. So to me, it's just like I get what you're saying, but it's also I want to see Robert Whitaker win just because I know whenever I get a pay per view with him on it. It's going to be a good fight, and it's going to entertain me. I watched Adesanya from when he was fighting in China, only doing kickboxing. And uh, afterwards, we got a chance to uh, train. But just the amount of growth that this guy has had you know, it is ridiculous. So um, I know there's more levels that this guy, that, that Adesanya is going to hit. And I think on Saturday, we're going to see more of the style bender and what he's able to do. You know, it, it, it reminds me that, you know, in, in a sport, when we're looking at, you know, like football and we're looking at some of these, these sports where, you know, basketball, you know, every once in a while you're going to see an athlete that says, you know what, this is where the game changed. You know what I'm saying? This is, this is, this is a game changer. And I think Israel is one of those athletes where you say, you know what, this is where the game of MMA changed and then more athletes started coming in that were moving like this, that were, you know, super athletic and can do all kinds of things. You know, I think that, you know, he, he's the first of of what we may see in the future of what these athletes can be. Yeah, this is damn, this is fun. I, I just like it's like I don't want to call Robert Whitaker vanilla. He's fantastic. But if he's vanilla or he's brown ale. He's an award-winning version. But Adesanya's like a flavorful IPA that just blows your <laughs> mind and kind of gets you half high while you're drinking it. Like this, like <laughs> there's some there's some strong dank buds in there. You know what I'm saying, Brandon? Okay. Like this is there's some potential for next level-ish. Wow. By the way, I, I said this already at a couple other parts, but shout out to LA. I was at Spence Porter over the weekend. We know there's a little different mindset on weed out there. Right, right. Many arenas you'll see people 
slip of smoke, a little, little smoke, spark it up. This was, I've never seen people just outright standing in the aisleways with a giant blunt and just passing it around. You go in the men's room, there's multiple groups of men like rolling in front of you. Like, it's just like straight up, this is how we live. Like, like <laughs> you got to take a whiz, you're going to get hot boxed by accident in here. I mean, it was wild. So, shout out to those bros indeed. Um, guys, this could be like a cultural event in Australia. Remember, this is the same stadium formerly known as Etihad when UFC was there in 2015. 193 Rousey home 56,214 fans which set the new UFC attendance record for a live event um now Rousey was hot as ish at that point but this beats it but these are hometown guys these are you know these are two Australia New Zealand based guys this could be wild this could be a hell of a wild event there um and now we got to predict who wins and I don't know, man, from day one, from day one, I just have this feeling, maybe because I was front row for Gastelum Adesanya wearing that weird orange pullover that people still bring up when they see me there. Um, but um, I think it's going five. It's going to be fun as ish. It's going to be moments of chess, moments of war. But I think Adesanya is going to set up his striking better. He's not going to get hit as much. Gonna have to dig deep. His face will be a mess, but I think he can outpoint him and win a five-round war here. I think Gastelum is not as good as Whitaker, but Gastelum gave an elite performance last fight to prepare Izzy. And if Izzy didn't go through that war, guys, I don't think I'm making this prediction. I know I'm not making this prediction because Whitaker does everything right, but there are question marks after 16 months. And this kid, Adesanya, I know he's not really a kid, but you get my point. He's ready to be an Anderson Silva. He's ready to be a just a virtuoso superstar. But he's even more equipped on the microphone. I love him. I'm sure Andy loves him. I love it. I love it, man. I love it, Andy. I, I know you, you back. Trust me, you back. Um, guys, Adesanya by decision and a hell of a fight. Your thoughts, Rashad? What do you got? BC, I, I don't think I could have said it any better. I mean, all the way up until the fact that you even said that it was Gastelum who helped that fight, helped him prepare for what's to come in this one. And I think you're absolutely right on so many levels. You know, I think that, you know, he, he's going to find have to find that dog in him. But I think there's going to be a, a point in this, this fight where, where unlike uh, the, the Calvin fight, I think that, you know, um, you know, you, you're going to see Israel, Israel shine a little bit more in this one. Um, I, I just I just think that that time off. Coming into a fight like this with this magnitude, it is going to be hard for 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 Robert to overcome, you know. And and, and I think that, you know, um, you know, he, he's he's gonna he's gonna push a heck of a fight, and it's gonna be a hell of a fight. But I think that when it comes down to it, you're gonna look back and you say, yeah, his combinations just were not there. You know, he just didn't have the trust in, in his combinations. You know, and if you know. With Robert, you know, he has a very, very quick, you know, that, like a very quick, nice Philly style up jab that's very, very hard to see, you know, and it comes with emotion. It comes with fluidity. Now, everything that, that comes with fluidity and motion, that comes with timing. And when you're out of the cage and when you don't feel comfortable, when you're not you're not feeling like that's your home, then that disrupts that motion. And, and, and you're going to be able to see, you know, if that jab is not hitting, if that jab is not touching the combinations are not going to be following. And that's why I think that 
the style bender is going to be able to get off and do his thing. Um, I, I just think when it when it comes to the style bender, you know, you're looking at an athlete and in, 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 in a guy with with the creativity in the mindset uh, just to take it to the next level. I think you're seeing, you know, a LeBron James, you know, the, the uh, next evolution of of what's to come. You know, what I'm saying if 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 uh, John Jones is the Michael Jordan, you know, then this is this is the LeBron James, the Kobe Bryant. You know, this is this is the next generation of what's to come of the UFC breed of an athlete. Damn, well said. Brando, split the difference. Who you got? <laughs> I am not going to be quite as eloquent as both of you were in describing that. But I will say, I, I just think this has got fight of the year written all over it in terms of just all action. There's just going to be so much high-speed chess being played between those two guys. At the end of the day, though, I am i can't go against the champion until I see him lose. I love Robert Whitaker's game. I love his tenacity, his 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 gall like it, it, I just like his style of fighting and until I see it beat I will pick him and I will pick him to win so I think he wins a very close split decision here against Israel in a fight that we're going to look back on as wow that really happened in front of an uh, open air stadium of like 65,000 fans yeah interesting uh I, I respect that prediction uh I was talking about a big crowd a big event guys I was looking up the top 10 highest live gate in terms of attendance in UFC history. Um, not a single one of the top 10 happened in the United States. There's never been a card for the UFC in the United States that's done at least 21,000 live fans. Now, the reason is because they largely go to NBA arenas. Um, that surprises me. Certainly, we've had fights big enough in recent years that could have gone to Cowboy Stadium or, you know, giant stadium and put the roof on it like put the roof over the ring like wrestlemania does um you guys think there's a fight in ufc right now that could could sell out at&t yes. stadium in dallas uh right now oh right now i mean you no. could do upwards of like 70 almost eighty thousand in you in uh in, in at&t stadium if you wanted to connor could beat too connor could beat too could do it that is true i hope we see that not yeah. to get nationalistic on you, but let's let's take this record back. All right. Take that Montreal and Mexico City and Sweden and Mont in Moscow. All right, who cares? Uh this is a really good co main event, guys, in the lightweight division. Certainly enough, Dan Hooker, New Zealand's own, going is gonna be in there as the favorite for the crowd. And I Al Iaquinta, the raging real estate agent, is likely gonna get booed. Are you guys booing me? Are you guys you better not boo me? All right, Al. All right, all right. Pull it together. Um, guys, great fight here. Certainly for uh, winner going to be catapulted back into that top five in the sport's best division. Hooker bounced back nicely from that Barbosa loss and seemed to put things back together, knocked out James Vick. I think we are seeing, and maybe it's, you know, being in camp without Asanya and the, and the team they're building down there, which is doing fast, fantastic work. We're watching a future title contender here. How do they match up, though, Rashad? When you put him in there against Raging Al, they match up really well, and especially since Raging Al has that uh, that low to the ground boxing style, where he he can either take a shot or throw a punch from hell. You don't know which one's going to come, but either one he commits to, he's going to connect. And that's the that's the beauty when it comes to Ally Quinta is the fact that he does have that ability to knock you out. And then even if he does get you down on the ground, his jujitsu is an underutilized game that I think he 
could lean on more, especially with a guy like Dan Hooker, you know, who who has good heavy stand up, good, you know, nice and tall guy. But I think on the ground, Al can get him in some troubles. But let's see here. Al has to not get caught into that game because Hooker's going to pull on his pride a little bit. Hooker's going to engage him and, and his ego. And that's when uh, Al's going to have to decide on game plan or feed the ego. Now, Dan Hooker on the other end, you know, he's going to go out there and try to, you know, just just keep Al the shorter fighter, keep him at distance and just piece him up. Piece him up with some straight techniques right down the middle because he knows everything Al's going to come uh, is going to come straight down the middle. So he's going to show knees up the middle, front kicks up the middle, and then try to send Al on his way. But um, if I'm going to choose, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Hooker on this one. I think that the momentum uh, at home in that crowd is going to be is going to be monstrous and it's going to be it's going to pull uh, Al into his ego. And, and I think that, you know, when Al fights too much in his ego, he doesn't fight as well as he could, you know. Yeah, so, indeed. Uh, I'm with you on that hooker prediction right there. Brandon, he mentioned things like uh, engaging with a hooker. No more dick pills, right? Um, <laughs> what do you like in this fight? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with Dan Hooker as well. I just think that kickboxing is just going to be too much for Al. Yeah. Especially if he lures Al into a brawl like that where Al isn't staying with his wrestling game plan and his wrestling base. I just don't think he's going to be able to hold up to that. I think you're going to see Hooker just kind of take him away to the body with those kicks. Hey, great fight. If you're of any Australian descent, you're probably on this card. They're going to prop Tai Tuvasa up after two losses there, have him drink out of his shoe against Sergey Spivak, who I'm possibly could be setting up the arena right now. We're not really sure. Um, Megan Anderson's back. Hey, my girl Nadia Kasim from Instagram is back. Uh, I need to delete that connection. All right. Uh, we had a good run here. Great show. UFC 243 down under this weekend. Uh, yeah, guys, I'm, I'm fired up. This really on paper is as great, not good, as great of a fight if, as we've seen in a long time. Kind of reminds me in a weird way of Connor and Habib. And I know that sounds crazy because Connor and Habib had that whole other soap opera part of it, but at its core, that was like such a great matchup. It was just perfect. These guys don't have the same exact styles, but in terms of just being like such a perfect matchup, we need to see what it looks like, man. Whitaker out of Sonya, just, it just, it sings to the soul, all right? It's firing me up, okay? Absolutely. And and, and your description of, of it just kind of sunk to my soul, so thank you for that. Yeah, let me bang, <laughs> please. Let me bang. Let me bang! All right, we're banging. Um, That's it for Rashad Evans, uh, Brandon Wise, Mikey Mormal producing. Follow us on Twitter, at State of Combat, at Sugar Rashad Evans, at Brandon Wise 65, MJM. CBSI, where you can find Mike Mormile, me at B. Campbell CBS. Please, five-star review. Get out there. Do that. Let us know what you want to hear on this show. We want to hear your voice, all that, and then some tall, pale, and handsome guys this weekend. I won't be watching this fight live. I'll be living it up in Jamaica with the wife and kids. A much-deserved unplug. Didn't want to time it, guys. Same weekend as this 243 Super Showdown and Triple G coming back, but, you know, it happens. You book a vacation a few months out, you have no idea what's going to happen, all right? Congratulations. Congratulations. All right, it's just, it's life. Uh, uh, Quickly, Rashad, uh, Porter made Spence work. That was some good theater. You watched that live? Yeah, I did, I did, I did. But I knew he was going to. I knew he was going to, but at the end of the day, 
Spence. I mean, Spence. You were right, though. You gave Porter a lot bigger chance than, than the odds makers were. Freaking seven to one odds by the end of it. I mean, that was a little ridiculous. And Porter made me proud, though. He made me he made me look like a good analyst. You know, he made me look like a good analyst. I appreciate that. Very Porter. good analyst there. Um, Brandon, you got what? Like what two you... weeks away from Usyk Spung. You guys need to make this bet like official. Yeah, what are we betting? I have to spar Rashad if uh, Spong wins. Is that where we're going with this? All right, come on. Where are we? I mean, come on. That's a big one. That, that's that's a. That, I know. What, what are we going to bet this? What are we going to bet? What do you want to bet? I, I'll I'll put the house on my boy. I put the wow, house. Wow! Wow! I'll take the house. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All righty then. Uh, that's it for the show, guys. Uh, yeah. All right, Brock. You got any final words? I've got one, um, and I got it from your mom. All right, that's inappropriate. <laughs> um, hey, uh, this is the biggest week in pro wrestling as well, so stick with the State of Combat for our big-time reactions on Thursday's show to the launch of AEW. Don't forget SmackDown moving to Fox on Friday night. We will have pay-per-view instant analysis over the weekend from Hell in a Cell. Boxing, we've got Triple G on the show this week. He returns on Saturday. Don't want to miss that. For the boys, it's your boy BC. I got two words for you, folks. We out. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.